Hello, and thank you for tuning in to The Christian Skeptic. I'm your host, Sean Kerwin, and as always, it's my mission to take an honest look at our questions about Christianity through the lens of logic and reason. I'm not here to preach at you, just to start a conversation with you. I hope you enjoy the show. What is the meaning of life? We're going to completely answer this question in 20 minutes. <laughs> Just kidding. We absolutely cannot answer this question in 20 minutes. And I'm skeptical as to whether or not we can answer this question, period. <laughs> this, is, this is a grand question, right? And so this episode uh, is obviously going to cover this question. Or rather, it's going to discuss <laughs> this question. We're going to discuss this question. We cannot cover it in 20 minutes. I'm not entirely convinced you can cover it. I'm not entirely convinced there is an objective answer to this question either. So let's get into it. I want to kind of introduce this topic. This is a big topic. This is larger than just Christianity. This is larger than one man's opinion or several <laughs> opinions of several people. And so what I want to do here is merely just start the conversation. This is going to be a part one episode, but I don't know when part two is coming. You see, in the past, I've done part one, part two episodes, and they've been back to back, and they've been consecutive. And the reality is, is that I think this discussion, we should start here and now, but I don't think we should end it, possibly ever end it. I think it's something we should touch on, perhaps as our conversations evolve over the years. And so I may not actually record a part two on this episode for another year, or heck, even two years, I don't know. But nevertheless, I think it's important, and I think given that we are in the realm of religion, philosophy, reason, phenomenology, skepticism, we should kind of unpack who has asked this question, what are some answers, what can we infer from scripture, though I don't know that we'll actually do that in this episode, and are there any takeaways from asking the question, what is the purpose, what is the meaning, what is the point of life? And I thought it'd be fitting to start off today by comparing maybe Someone who is considered the father of logic and reason. You know your philosophy. You know who I'm talking about. His name's Aristotle, right? We've mentioned him plenty of times in this podcast. He uh, has the honor of being credited as the person to really develop and explain what we call the first principles, and particularly the first principles of logic, which we've talked about a bunch. And you know, if you're any kind of student of philosophy or apologetics or anything, you, you are familiar with these, the law of identity, the law of excluded middle, and the law of non-contradiction. Well, he had some stuff to say about the meaning of life. He had some thoughts about that. And so I think it's, it's best that we look at him, we turn back the clock a couple thousand years and see what he has to say. And really, even our comprehension and understanding of what he has to say from a couple thousand years ago uh, we can really credit the preservation of that to Thomas Aquinas and to Islam. You see, it was Islam that had a renaissance of, of philosophy, essentially, in the first millennia AD, and Thomas Aquinas, who paired Aristotle's teachings with religion, being the Catholic religion at the time. And so I think it's important as we move forward in this discussion on the meaning of life that we keep in perspective that Aristotle has influenced secular thinkers, Christian thinkers, Islamic thinkers, and really just thinkers in general across the spans of time and across the known world. And then there's an interesting psychologist in today's landscape 
very relevant. He's only become famous in the past few years, but he has stuff to say on this topic that I think it's it it breeds an interesting discussion to compare him with Aristotle. His name, I'm sure a lot of you have heard of him, is Jordan Peterson. And so in preparing for this question, this episode, I've acquainted myself with uh, a lot of his lectures, which I've never really done before. And I found them fascinating. And I think it is uh, extremely appropriate to compare his views on the meaning of life with Aristotle. And I'm going to go ahead and spoil the ending and the conclusions before we get into the discussion, because I think it's important to keep this in mind as we discuss these things. But basically, the end point of what I'm going to make today is that Aristotle saw the meaning of life as derived from a hierarchy of life forms at which gods were at the top, humans were beneath gods, animals were beneath humans, and plants were beneath animals as far as living organisms go. And humans in the second highest or third lowest of the hierarchy, whatever you prefer to look at it as, humans have this unique ability for reason. The fact that we question is there meaning to life is part of what gives life meaning for humans. And so for Aristotle, if we take the Aristotelian view of the meaning of life, a lot of that meaning is going to come down to reason and volition and the ability to create systems and organizations and worldviews with our minds. And I find this to be a very fascinating contrast with what I believe And I'm not the expert on Jordan Peterson teachings, so if I'm wrong, please feel free to correct me. But from what I've been able to find in Jordan Peterson's lectures, he has a very staunch view that the meaning of life is found in responsibility. And I don't think the two are mutually exclusive. I think that they're actually compatible in a lot of degrees, which is why I think a compare-contrast to these two views is very appropriate. I also don't know that they're off-base. I don't know that either of them is really wrong. I am refusing to be so bold as to claim that there is an objective meaning to life in this podcast. And I'm refusing to do so because that is a very bold and audacious claim. There might be those in the more fundamentalist Christian camp that would say the objective meaning to life is to know and be known, to love and to be loved by God. I don't want to say that they're wrong, but I don't want to say that they're right. Those are very huge (laughs) claims to make. I just want to start the conversation. I just want to explore some thoughts with you guys and maybe help you explore some thoughts of your own. And who knows, maybe you'll have better thoughts on this subject than I will. And if you do, please, please, please send them in. Or maybe you'll have someone else you'd like to invite to the conversation. And if that's the case, please share this episode or any of the other episodes with someone you know and care about. But let's look at Aristotle. So Aristotle, again, as I mentioned, has this hierarchy of beings, right? With plants being the lowest beings. And he asked, What is the meaning of life? In Greek, the word is ergon, which is a purpose or a function of something, right? And so Aristotle would say then that for plants, the function is survival, reproduction, photosynthesis, fill in the blank, the basic functions of a plant. For animals, it is all of that plus pain and pleasure receptors. For humans, it is all of that of an animal, all of that of a plant, plus the ability of reason, volition. And then for gods, it is all of the above, plus controlling and sustaining the environment of the earth and the known world that we know, right? And so in that, Aristotle believes that the meaning of life then is to utilize the reason, volition, intuition, these gifts that humans have that animals and plants don't, to do the utmost good for us and other people. And the utmost good is that which constitutes happiness. 
Now, already there is some clash with a biblical worldview because happiness is by no means a top priority for any student of the Bible. And I don't know that we need to address this here in this episode, but I think it's just noteworthy to point out that if you (laughs) resonate with what I just said and and you really do feel like the goal of your life is to be uh, happy, then and you call yourself Christian, then maybe you should check that because that's not the goal of life at all. Though that's not going to be absent from life either. And an interesting thing to point out, right, is even if life has no meaning, happiness won't be absent from life. And even if life is full of abundant meaning of happiness, it doesn't mean happiness will always be there. Happiness is so fleeting, right? Uh, It's so circumstantial. It's so dependent on mental, physical, emotional, spiritual states of being. But using the resources around us, the meaning of life, very simplistically stated, could be to reason, to volition, to think, to ponder, to feel, to relate, to question everything we know in life to do the most amount of good for everyone we know in life. And granted, there's a bit of utilitarian take on this that I am spinning, so not all of this can be found directly in Aristotle's writings, but it is the modern interpretation and spin that we have of Aristotle's means of the finding and acquiring meaning and purpose in life, the ergon of life. This is also to add, though, that happiness does not mean bodily pleasure either, as it would for an animal. The pleasure of eating, consumption, the pleasure of reproducing, the pleasure, um, really any pleasure, and any avoidance of pain, which is also a pleasure, uh, that any typical animal would uh, feel or pursue. That if a human were to simply pursue pleasure, were to simply pursue the avoidance of pain, the avoidance of uh, anxiety-provoking situations, the, the, the avoidance of uh, spiritual, mental, emotional pain, that that human would live a very unfulfilled, meaningless life, according to Aristotle. I would argue he's not entirely off-base on that. That if pleasure um, is the only meaning, if pleasure is the only source of happiness in life, that is a, a mark well missed. <laughs> that is a life not well lived. And so happiness then can't just be happiness derived from pleasure. Happiness then has to be a happiness that comes from doing the greatest amount of good for the greatest amount of people. Contrast with that, Jordan Peterson's view that responsibility is the meaning in life. And so not just responsibility, say, in a career, but actually being responsible for everything in life. So what I'm surmising from his teachings then is that there are different levels of responsibility. There's a personal responsibility that only you yourself will see. And that manifests in Jordan Peterson's teachings a lot of make your bed. <laughs> you know, making your own bed. You, you derive no reward from it. No one most likely will ever know that you make your bed every day. But if you wake up every morning and make your bed every day, there is a personal responsibility that you grasp for yourself that gives your living space an enhanced level of meaning. There is a There are chemicals released in your brain when you take responsibility for something personally and accomplish it that will add a meaning and value to your life like nothing else can. And I, I do believe he's, he's correct in that. I, I do believe that responsibility does add so much to our lives. Well, then you unfold the circle a little bit more and you see that there's a familial responsibility, right? And there's a responsibility to friends and those outside the family, but still immediately within the vicinity of life. And then there's responsibility for community. There's responsibility for 
uh, state, nation, state, country, wh- whatever it is, fill in the blank, one circle outside of community. And then at the very end, we are responsible for humanity. We are responsible to do good for humans. Um, uh, and I guess even one level beyond that, we're responsible for the earth. We're responsible to take care of everything around us, right? And so adding that responsibility and, and defining it and taking hold of it to Jordan Peterson is what will lead to a meaningful life and what will fill life with meaning and purpose. And so as you can see, and I don't think I need to belabor it, but I think that there are some comparisons and contrasts we can make between Jordan Peterson and Aristotle. I would probably argue that there is not much doubt that Jordan Peterson is influenced by Aristotle, being the academic that he is, but I think there are very interesting positions to begin our discussion on, right? Because what we're asking is, what's the point of all of this? You wake up every day, you go to bed every night, you eat food, you interact with people, you interact with things, you interact with money, you interact with uh, processes and accomplishing something, and one day you die. And you don't know when that day is, but it's coming. What's the point of it all? Sure, in a religious sense, heaven and hell are on the line after that, and what you did with God definitely has shows significance in life. Uh, and, and this is this is true no matter where you're coming from, right? E- even if you don't believe heaven and hell are on the line, what you did with religion carries with it significant weight, I believe. Even if you believe nothing comes after this life, that death is the end-all, be-all of everything, well, there are still those that live after you that will become aware of and derive lessons and meaning out of the way you handled religion, good or bad, noble, ennoble, selfishly, selflessly. And so in a way, the, the figuring out the meaning of life, the purpose of life, whether it's subjective or objective, and I am leaning more towards the point of view that would say that it's subjective rather than objective. You see, I think life takes on different meanings in different time periods. Um, life takes on different meanings in different cultures. Life takes on different meanings for different people uh, in, in general. Now, there might be an objective reason we're all here, and I'm not saying that there isn't, but as far as defining what's the point of it all, I'm leaning more towards the view that it's subjective. But even within the subjectivity of it all, I think that there are guidelines, that there are ground rules that add value to the subjective answer to that question, or take away value to the subjective answer to that question. So, for example, I, I think both Aristotle and Jordan Peterson lay out perhaps some framework, some guidelines to answer this question. And I think that the framework and guidelines are very, very good, very astute. I mean, <laughs> who am I really to judge these two men, right? They're much smarter than I and have written much more on the subject, probably, <laughs> uh, well, definitely, than I have. But I have to use the phrase, I think. And, and you do too. And you have to weigh opinions. You have to weigh answers. You have to weigh thoughts, discussions, philosophies. And you must assign a judgment, a value to them. And either add them to your life and say, yes, no, I think this is good. I think this is a good starting spot. I'm going to add this mental framework to my life as I go about my day to day. And as the question comes up from time to time, because it does for all of us, you're kidding yourself if it doesn't. You're kidding yourself if if you don't ever get burned out with whatever it is you're doing in life and say, well, what's the point of it all? I wish I could just go away from it all, right? (laughs) How many times do we have that thought of, man, I wish I could just go away to a different place and start over and do a completely different thing and build a completely different life? Well, in a way, that is a sense, a 
cry for a meaning to life, a, a meaning to the mundane. The mundane is a very real aspect of life. I don't care what social or economic or uh, racial background you come from, we'll all experience some kind of mundaneness in life, right? And I think the recognition and identification of those mundane situations are where we can wrestle with this question and these thoughts. And so then the question becomes of what are the guidelines? What is the framework of our actual wrestling through this? And, and there must be a framework. To say that there is no framework, it essentially breaks the law of non-contradiction. Because every thought we have is framed by something. There isn't an actual freedom of thoughts, free of influences, free of ideas completely of our own. So then the question becomes, which is the right framework? And again, I don't know that we can objectively answer which is the right framework. I think that we can conclude logically that some frameworks are better than others. And I think if we can conclude logically that, I think we must conclude first and foremost, the framework of logic itself is a framework for forming thoughts. Because if thoughts aren't logical, then there is no actual meaning. And this is where the atheistic view, I think, loses its steam. Because if there is no meaning in life, if there's no point to it all, then on the flip side, there's no point to happiness, there's no point to responsibility. And, and we go down this nihilistic rabbit hole, and I think that there's a lot of flaws with nihilism, and we can probably get into that in another episode as well, perhaps even on this same subject. But it's just not possible, because most nihilists even don't fully subscribe to their nihilistic viewpoints. But oh, dear Christian, don't feel like you have a victory here either, because I would say most Christians don't subscribe to their Christian viewpoint of what the meaning in life should be. Do you even know what it is to believe in Christ? <laughs> Sometimes I don't think I do. Sometimes I think if I truly, truly believed in Christ, my life would look a lot differently. And I think if you sat down and analyzed your life, I think you would probably agree. If the meaning of life is not happiness, but holiness, as is often preached in Christian circles, and that holiness is a knowing, being known by, loving, and loving God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, well, you failed, and you live like you don't actually believe that. And I do too, so I'm not the pot calling the kettle black right now either. Now, I do believe that there must be an answer in that. I do believe that there is a framework, especially being a Christian, for determining the direction of the answer of this question of what is the meaning and purpose of life, I do believe that there's a strong, strong framework, especially when you read the nuances of the Bible, the commandments, when you read the heart of God, the words of Jesus, the Sermon on the Mount, I do believe that there is probably the highest, the utmost, or the greatest good-seeking, good-fulfilling framework within that direction of a definition of the meaning of life. And I think that we drew some conclusions from that when asking the question, does the Bible restrict our freedom? But look, this is, <laughs> this is a complex subject. And this has kind of been a weirder episode. I realize that. I don't feel like I've actually come to any conclusions at all. And maybe I've left you with more questions than answers at this point. But hey, I think it's good to do that every now and then, right? Keeps our conversations fresh. Keeps them going. And let's definitely continue this conversation. I think this question is much larger than this podcast probably will ever be, and much larger than I, any of us can really come to a definite conclusion. <laughs> At least, I don't think any of us are going to come to a definite conclusion on this side of eternity. Maybe on the next side of eternity, right? Because as Paul writes, now we see through a glass dimly, but then we shall see in full. 
Maybe the purpose of your life, maybe the purpose of my life will be revealed to us on that day. But until that day, thank you so much for listening, and I hope you've enjoyed this show. <laughs>